Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. My guest today is Steve Farber, who is the author of Love is Just Damn Good Business and the founder and chairman of the Extreme Leadership Institute. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm really excited to have your energy start my day and start people's day today. So I'm looking forward to that. I was wondering if you could just you know, get us started. Tell us a little bit about, about your company, about your books, and, and what's important to you in life. Sure. Well, that's a... Well, that, that's a big that's a big question. It was, <laughs> it was easy up until the what's important to you in life part. That's the uh, that's where it gets deep. No, but thank you for asking. I've been in the field of what is often referred to as leadership development in some way or another for 30 years. And over those three decades, I have gotten a really broad based view of business because I've had exposure to every kind of industry you can imagine, just about every kind of business you can imagine. I've worked with companies, you know, oftentimes from top to bottom to create cultures of leadership. I've been studying leadership. I've been writing about leaders for 30 years. And I, I, I'm the first to admit I don't have it all figured out, certainly. But, uh, but I've had this wonderful ride through that universe of business, both in North America and, and in various parts of the world. And it gives me a really kind of unique perspective because it gives me a chance to see what businesses have in common. I mean, every business is different. Every company is different. Every culture is different. Every human being is different. But when you step back and and look on a broad level, you begin to see that there are some really striking similarities. So my work over the years has has been striving to pull out those similarities in in the category of what are the, the similar things that work, right? This, we have a lot of similarities of things that are challenges and problems and all that, but the leaders that I've met and the teams that I've seen and the companies that have really been phenomenal, what's, what's the common thread if there is one? And there is, as it turns out. So I've written four books so far. This Love is Just Damn Good Business is, it just came out, but The Radical Leap was my first book, came out originally in 2004. The Radical Edge came out in 2006. Greater Than Yourself is my third book, came out in 2009. And then we've done several editions of those three books. So this is my first new book, brand new book in 10 years, which is really kind of amazing. And what's important to me in life is I am, as many entrepreneurs are, I have a, there's a very thin line between what I pursue in my, in my professional career and what I pursue in my personal life. And they're, they're very closely related. What's really important to me in life more than anything else is, is the, the quality of the human experience. I mean, I, I, love, I love people. I see the miraculous things that we're able to do as human beings when we put our heads and hearts together to strive to accomplish something together. And that's what I'm committed to helping people figure out in their business. So that's my passion. It's my work. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And it's been a phenomenal, a phenomenal ride so far. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I'm yeah, that's that's a great way to describe yourself. I will give yourself you a little plug. You know, his, his book or your book, Greater Than Yourself, was a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. So we were joking that you're world famous. So you are. And 
There's a couple of things that stood out to what you said. So one is what is commonly referred to as leadership development. So I'm going to poke and prod of that a little bit. But then, you know, what you looked at was the quality of the human experience. And, you know, as somebody who's a speaker, author, who is, you know, admittedly world famous, you have been given an opportunity to develop the human experience. And I believe that leaders, people in leadership positions and people who take on leadership in whatever shape, form that looks like, have an opportunity to impact that in a positive way. So given that, given that that's what you do, given that you elevate people in those capacities, what are those similar things that you found that work for people that are interested in leadership? Yeah. And, and there are, you know, there are many actually, but the, the title of the new book is more than a hint to my answer to that question. <laughs> right? L- love is just damn good business. So, so if I had to net out and, and really distill it down to, to, to the foundational, not only idea, but the foundational practice behind that idea, it's that love is not anathema to business or anathema to business or however you say it. Love and business are not mutually exclusive, nor should they be. That really love is the foundation of what great leadership is, what great leaders do, the, what great leaders engender in their teams. And it's also the foundation of any great thriving competitive business. So that's the, the, you know, the prime conclusion, if conclusion is the right word, that I've come to in, in my observations. And, and ironically, so remember, I, you know, I, I said a couple of minutes ago that I, I look at what, what seems to work across the board, right? So on the one hand, I'm saying that love is a universally powerful business idea, but at the same time, we don't acknowledge it that way, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, most of us just assume that, oh, that's California touchy-feely hoo-ha crap, even though our experience <laughs> tells us something very different. So it's, it's an odd kind of a thing is that most of us, I can't, I can't prove this scientifically. This is more anecdotal, but my sense is that most people, when given the opportunity to really think about it and kind of given, for lack of a better word, permission, permission to pay attention to what they're already experiencing, would agree with this. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I do much better at work when I love the team that I'm working on. I do much better at work. I have a much better time. I do, I do higher quality output. I, I have more energy when I love going to work, when I love the people I'm working with, when I love the product or service, or you know, when I'm writing, I'm writing code for this, new, this amazing new program that I think is going to change the world. We all know that. But at the same time, we all have this assumption that none of us thinks that's true. And it's just not true. The assumption's not true, right? So, so that's the main thing that I'm trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get people to understand that, first of all, I'm not talking about love as a sentiment. I'm not talking about love as, as, you know, hearts and flowers and, and frills and butterflies and rainbows and all that, although all that has its place, I suppose. This is really about love as a practice and a discipline. So we want our customers to love us. That's where our competitive advantage comes from. It's that simple. However, we, even though we understand that, we don't really think, think the implications through. So if we want our customers to love the experience of working with us, the only way to really make that happen in a significant and sustainable way over time is to create a culture that people love working in. 
whether that culture is a team or an entire company. And I can't create that kind of a culture unless my heart's in it first, unless I, I, unless I as a leader, positional or otherwise, love this company, love this team, love this product, love this customer myself first. So this all becomes very personal very quickly. And I've just seen it over and over and over again for 30 years. So I, 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 I'm a lot of things, but I'm not, I'm not delusional. And, and I, I'll, I'll cop to being a little bit of an idealist perhaps, but I'm not naive and I am a business person and that's where I cut my teeth and that's where I've spent my time. Business is my playground. So I don't use these words lightly, but that, that is the, the primary conclusion that I've come to. Okay. So I hear it as creating the space, like you have to create, like we go back to basic culture, create the culture that you want to resonate and have people embody. If you want your customers to love you, your employees need to love the place that they're working for. And then you as a leader need to foster that. And there's always the talk about the engagement, employee engagement, people engagement. Do you see a distinction between love and passion? I do, but I think, I think a lot of it is semantics. So passion, passion is definitely a, it's a part of this conversation. Passion is to me, it's, it's kind of a combination of, of love and, and energy is the way that I have often thought about it. And I'll accept passion. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get overly attached to the word, but I think something, there is something different that happens when we acknowledge love as, as the, the stated objective in a business. Passion has become a word, you know, that was a provocative word in the context of business a while ago. And now everybody's just kind of, oh yeah, I'm passionate about this. Cool. But we also say, I love this. We don't really think about what the implications of that are. So for example, here's what I mean. If I bring my team together and, or I'm, or I'm part of a team, either way, you've got it from either perspective. And the question that we're trying to answer is, how can we improve our customer service, right? It's a valid question. And it's a great question. It's a question that every, that every company theoretically should be asking. So when I say, okay, let's brainstorm. How are we going to improve our customer service? I'm going to get some answers. I'm going to get some good answers. I'm going to get some really great stuff. But if I ask this question instead, how can we show our customers that we love them? I'm going to get a different quality answer because now I have to, I have to think about that differently, right? That is a much higher bar. It's a much higher standard. And that's really in, in a lot of ways, that's what, that's what this is about. It's about raising the standards and the expectations of, of, of what we demand from each other in pursuit of our mission as a business in pursuit of our customer's experience. So I've got nothing against, words that kind of fall in the synonym category. I've got nothing against passion. I've got nothing against care or kindness. I mean, these, these are all kind of in the same neighborhood. All I'm suggesting is let's turn the heat up on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and if we put it in a different context, we're going to get a different set of ideas and that's going to produce a different set of behaviors. Got it. That makes tons of sense. And it's, I mean, I think it's an important distinction that it is not just passion. It is really better, better performance and raising the standards and expectations at everyone. And that's why words are so important is like, because that's what actually shapes how you do things. 
So I want to take a little, I mean, not even a step back. It's more like a step forward, but in a different direction. You mentioned that you are in the business of what is common referred to as leadership development. So in your words, can you explain, and given that we just talked about how we can elevate people's performance and elevate the standards, what does leadership development mean to you in the context of having people love as a modus operandi? Yeah. Wow. What a great question. So when I said commonly referred to as it's because it is kind of a really broad umbrella when you say leadership development. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to develop? (laughs) Then what does it mean to develop leaders? So each one of those, each one of those elements is very, very broad. And, you know, leadership is one of those things that we all know it's important. I don't think there's, I can't imagine, it has to be a very small percentage of people. If you say, do you think leadership is important? They're going to say no. Hmm. I mean, unless they're, you know, flat out, you know, extreme anarchists, I guess. So we all know that leadership is important, right? But then the next question, well, what is that? What is leadership? What does that mean to you? We're going to get many different answers. And, and there are some prevailing myths about leadership in, in the business world. I was going to say in our culture, but that culture's spans cultures around the world. And the myth is that leadership is about your position or title that, and solely about your position or title that in order to lead, you have to have, you you have to be perched in the proper place on the org chart and have the right kind of authority and et cetera. And while it's true that, that people in positions of authority should be leading, it doesn't mean that they automatically are (laughs) right. We've all had that experience at some point in our careers where there's somebody who calls him or herself a leader and is just not, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it says leader on their business card. And it's like, I don't think so. I mean, I see it on the org chart, but I don't see it in your behavior. And I'm I'm being polite here, but there are people that shouldn't call themselves leaders. On the other hand, how many people do you know that you've seen in your work, Anthony, that that have no position or title or authority and they're phenomenal leaders, right? Mm -hmm. So, so leadership is not that myth that leadership is just something that's relegated to the chosen few that rise up through the ranks is false. And it, it limits us as, as human beings, we all have an opportunity to lead in some context. And a lot of it is about the choice that we make. So what does it mean to develop leaders? Well, for one thing, it means to help people see themselves in that light when maybe they haven't before. And then begin to explore what does it really mean to me and to us and to our organization, whatever the context is, to be better at this, right? So leadership development, the, the in, if, if we could call it an industry, and I think we can because we've spent a trillion dollars on leadership development in the business world over the last 10 years, is any, I think it's just any kind of activity that helps people be better at how they do their work and the way that they influence others to to do great things together. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty broad. So that's the business that I've been in generically speaking. And, and we all contribute to it. And I think any, any discussion about what does leadership mean to you and how can we get better at it is, has tremendous value. And I have thousands and thousands and thousands of colleagues in this industry that do work in, you know, in that same vein and everybody makes a phenomenal contribution to it. It all, it all adds up yet. I mean, that's my belief. But if you look at the numbers, it's not really encouraging 
Because even though we've spent close to a trillion dollars on leadership development over the last 10 years, if you look at one of the measures of how effective that's been, it's a little depressing because if you look at the employee engagement numbers, you know, the famous Gallup survey that comes out, it seems like every 10 minutes, it's, it's really important data, right? And if you look at it, the engagement has, has, is virtually unchanged for the last 10 years. I mean, it's ticked up a little bit, three to 5%, depending on which study you look at. Some showed a little higher, some showed a little lower. You know how it is with these kind of surveys. But for that kind of money to see that little movement, something is really off here. So we're all working really hard at this and we're all really trying to help ourselves get better at this and to help our clients get better at this and to help our colleagues get better at this. But something's not showing up the way it should. And I can't prove this scientifically, but my belief is that a big part of that is that we haven't been paying attention to this love thing. If it's, it's just not enough to say, let's get better at what we're doing. When we start talking about how do we create an environment that people love working in, what happens? We attract the best talent. We keep that best talent around a lot longer. Our best talent that we've attracted becomes our best recruiters, <laughs> right? We have customers that, that score us higher on net promoter scores and, and spend more money with us and talk better about us and, and, you know, and we develop brand loyalty and we, it just goes on and on and on. And it really is about, I think, changing or evolving or improving the human experience. If we put our attention on that, then I think we have an opportunity to change everything. And I know that sounds a little abstract, so let me tell you, let me tell you what I mean by that. All right, so, so imagine this scenario. So you and I are at a, at a cocktail party. I haven't seen you for a while. And I say, hey, Anthony, what's going on? With, you know, how's, how's, how are things? And you start telling me about your, your idiot boss and stupid company that you work for and, and customers that don't know what the hell they're doing. And, and you, I'm gonna, if you're, we've all been on the receiving end of that kind of conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So my response is likely going to be, oh man, that's too bad. I'm, I'll be compassionate. But my response is not likely to be surprise, right? I'm not gonna say, really? You don't like your work? <laughs> yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah, right? Because our expectation is that people don't like their work. It doesn't surprise us. On the other hand, just flip the scenario around, same party, you know, different version of you. I say, hey, Anthony, what's going on? Hi, what, what's, what's happening? You say, oh, man, you wouldn't believe this company that I work for. The place is fantastic. I love the people I work with. It's really exciting work. I can't wait till Monday. You know, my response to that is going to be surprise. It's like, really? Wow, where's that? Tell me about that. So you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what that, what that tells us is that our cultural expectation is that work is something that you tolerate in order to live your life on you know, evenings and weekends. And I think we need to completely flip that scenario around because the, 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 the place that people love working and I get excited about, that's the aberration. That's, that's not the norm. And that needs to be the norm. If we can really change the experience and the expectation of what it means to go to work as a place where people can bring themselves fully to work, do great work, enjoy what they're doing, the people they're doing it with. If we can, if we can change that expectation, that's what it means to go to work. Then we, we change, we change everything. So yes, this is about getting more competitive in our business and being more successful and profitable. And the implications go much more beyond that. All right. I got that. So 
actually shifting. So you believe at the synthesis of everything that being able to include love and, you know, you didn't say compassion, empathy, but really just changing that as part of elevating what it means to work in general and the human experience around work. And then presumably yeah. it all starts with each and every person incorporating love in all of its forms or in the form that you mean it to elevate that expectation and raise the standards. Yeah, ideally. And if I put on the, the rational business guy hat, I'm going to say, well, that sounds awfully nice, but it also sounds kind of utopian. And there's no way in hell that we're ever going to achieve that standard collectively as a society. So we have that cultural expectation of everything. You have the anybody can bring in, anybody can be a leader. You know, I believe, I believe that, you believe that. One of my favorite quotes around leadership is if you're not taking, if you're not leading people, you're just going for a walk. And so what I'd love to learn is if we want to move forward towards whether that's that utopian, air quotes, society from a culture as a whole, or if you are a leader within your organization, whatever that means to you, how can we operationalize love as a practice? As in, what are the things that somebody who might not know how to get to that state, but wants to get to that state, incorporate in their business over the next quarter or 12 months? Yeah, that, that is the question. So it sounds all, you know, hearts and flowers and utopian and, and therefore impossible unless we take it to the next step. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a, a cynic and a pessimist that you're ever going to find. But like I said a couple of minutes ago, I'm also, you know, I'm not naive and I am a bit, you know, I am a bit idealistic. I'm not entirely convinced that we can make that happen in every company on every planet in the world. But I do know that we can all start moving towards that by, as you, as you just suggested, operationalizing love. So it's not enough to have the desire or to use the language. I'm not suggesting we should start wandering around, you know, the, the hallways of offices around the world saying, I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you. Man. And, then, and that's it. Check it off the list and move on. Language is important, but it's just, it's really just the start. So the question then is, this is the key question that we have to answer for ourselves as businesses and as individuals in business. What should or does that look like? What does that look like? So if I really loved my team in an appropriate way for work, right? So I'm appealing to common sense here. The way I love my team and the way I love my, my wife and my kids is a different thing. I hope we can all understand that. But it's still love. It still feels the same way. So what, what should it look like? What does it look like in the way that we conduct business? In the way that we, in the kind of people that we hire and the way that we hire them and the way that we ask people to make decisions? What does it look like in terms of our physical work environment? So if I put everything through that filter, then I'm translating what would otherwise be left as just kind of a feeling or, or some empty words, I'm translating that into observable action and behavior. And I think it's really, I'm not saying this is easy, but it's really as simple as challenging each other to answer the question, what should that look like? So let me give you, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. And, and we can talk about examples all day long. And in fact, the book, 
you know, it's one example after another, after another, after another of people that are doing this and how they're doing it. Because what I want your listeners and I want my readers to understand is that there is no one formula that says do X, Y, and Z, and, and that's, that's going to operationalize love. There are thousands of ways to do this, which is great news because that gives us the opportunity to really do something that's particularly relevant to us and to our industry. So one of the case studies that I, I write about in the book and I, I've been talking about a lot lately because it, it's, it's, I just find it really inspiring is a company in a business that's not particularly sexy from the outside looking in. It's there. They're the, in the shipping business, basically a company called trailer bridge in Jacksonville, Florida. They primarily ship products in containers from the mainland U S to primarily to Puerto Rico and also the Dominican Republic. So they've been doing this for, I think the company's 30 years old and their background is toxic. I mean, these guys were going down in flames. In fact, they went bankrupt a number of years ago and people hated the place. The, the, the customers would only do business with them because they were cheap and people stuck around to work there because they needed the, they needed the job and they just put their heads down and ground their teeth and or grinded their teeth and uh, just went after it because it was miserable. So Mitch Luciano was asked by the board to take over and turn the company around. They burned And what had happened previously to that is they burned through four CEOs in three years. So it gives you the idea that the turmoil the place was in. Merged from bankruptcy, went through four CEOs in, in three years. Company was you know losing money hand over fist and trying to figure out how to get their act together. Mitch comes in and he says, okay, I'll do this. But he says to the board, I'm just going to warn you, this is not what you're used to seeing because I'm a love guy. I don't think he said those words, but that's where he was coming from, right? He wanted to create a place that people loved working in. And he believed in the people that worked there, in most of them anyway. So he started by asking the question, what is that gonna look like here? I believe in this company, I believe in these people, I, I love this business. What is that going to look like? So he, he, he began to express that in very tangible ways by, for example, he lowered the height of all the cubicles in the building because he wanted to create a team and everybody was living in cubicle city and nobody ever even looked at each other. Nobody knew who anybody else was. And this was a company of 120 people at the time. The other thing was that people would walk around with name tags on, name tags in a company of 120 people. So Mitch looked at that and he says, are you telling me you don't know people's names here? So we need to at least know each other's names. So he got rid of the name tags, right? So on the one hand, that's kind of symbolic, but on the other hand, it forced people to get to know each other, right? Because his Mitch's thinking is, okay, if we want to create an environment that people love working in, well, who are you working here with? We got to get to know each other as, as human beings. So he was doing everything he could to facilitate an environment that encouraged people to get to know each other. And even, and to this day, they, they have like taco trucks on, or food trucks come in on, I think it's Thursdays, and they feed the whole company, bring everybody together. He did the, you know, the kind of that borrowed from the Silicon Valley approach, right? Brought in foosball tables and ping pong tables and created a common area where people can hang out. And, and the relationship started to change. And, and people started to enjoy their work and look forward to coming to work and built great relationships on their teams and all this stuff started to happen. And then they also looked at their customer approach, right? Our customers have told us they only do business with us because we're cheap, which means, and, and also, you know, their, their satisfaction scores were terrible and all that. 
So the question was asked, how do we show our customers that we love them? So they looked at their procedures, their policies. So they had a policy up until that point where if they were shipping a container to Puerto Rico, for example, they wouldn't ship unless that container was 75% full. If it was only 50% full, it would just sit at the dock until they filled it up. So if you're a customer and you have your car that you're shipping to Puerto Rico on in that container, and you're, you've told your family in Puerto Rico that that car is going to arrive in such and such a date, and then the last minute you're, you're, you're told, no, we're not shipping because we're not full enough. What the hell kind of service is that, right? Because that's a policy that says we're going to lose money, so we're not going to go. Mm. It doesn't matter what the impact that is on you. So the question is, if we loved our customers, what would we do? We would sail, period. We would sail. And that's what they started doing. And they started treating their customers as human beings, not numbers that they're trying to stuff on down on the bottom line. And, 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 and. This goes on and on and on. So what's the result? They've been voted number one and number two best place to work in the city of Jacksonville. The last two years in this company, the revenues of the last two years exceed the previous 25 years of the company combined. Wow. They're expanding all over the country. They're, they're blowing up, man. They're blowing up. And if you ask Mitch and you ask his team, What's, you know, what's the secret here? They'll tell you there's a lot of things that they're doing, a lot of great strategy that they're doing. There's a, it's all, this is not one thing or the other, but at the very foundation of all of it, what they'll tell you is that they have created a culture that people love working in, their clients love doing business with, and now they spend virtually no money on recruiters because their own employees are their best recruiters because they want people to come work with them there. And on and on and on and on and on. That's what love looks like. That's what love, love looks like for Trailer Bridge and their clients, the question you've got to ask, and I've got to ask, and your listeners have to ask, and I'm asking my readers to ask is, what should that look like here in the way that we do this? And if you ask that question, we'll come up with an infinite number of ways to operationalize it. That's awesome. Thank you, Steve. That's so cool. So the challenge has been laid out, and I'm going to put some, some timelines around it, but in the next 30 days... If this is something that's important to you, start with yourself. And this is how you can demonstrate your leadership is ask, what does that look like? What could that look like here in terms of how you can incorporate love into your organization and for all of the damn good business reasons that you have, do it, move it forward, make a difference for your people, make a difference for your customers. Why don't we make some more money in the process? Steve, can we make more money doing this too? I mean, we're talking about the people side, but it's good for business, right? Well, that's it. Well, I, let me put it this way. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just damn good business. It's just damn good business. Right? Isn't it? <laughs> so what is business? What is a, a business? Yes, there are aspirational qualities to a business and, and it's becoming more and more important as particularly as, you know, the millennials and Gen Z and all that come into the workplace and want to make a difference, which is fantastic. And of course, a business is there to, to make money. And in fact, I'll just put a capper on it with going back to Mitch Luciano at, at Trailer Bridge. He said, listen, we're not we're not running a charity here. We, we've got to make money. He's got to perform for the board. He's got to perform for the people that work there so they can get, you know, whatever incentives they have. He's got to perform for the, all their stakeholders. That's his job as a, as the CEO. That's what business is. These are not mutually exclusive ideas. It's not, it's not like, is it love or business? That's the wrong question. It's how do we use this love approach to be more successful as a business, to make more money, to get more market share, to be more competitive. And the, the better we do that, the more equipped we are 
to contribute to the, the world that we live in. And it yeah. becomes this wonderful virtuous cycle. That's awesome. Thank you, Steve. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you uh, putting the gauntlet down for those leaders out there and really not that we'll just look at those Gallup surveys to measure how this happens, but an opportunity to just check in and say, hey, the next time you're at a dinner party or next time you're at a company party, what are people saying about your workplace? And you you can be the example for other leaders out there to create that transformational change, not just in your organization, but in all industries. And that starts with love. So that's awesome. Steve, how can uh, people get a hold of you? John, I'm pretty easy to find. If you can remember my name, Steve Farber, you'll find me on all the, the social media haunts. You know, LinkedIn, it's um, Steve Farber. Facebook, and Steve Farber. Twitter, Steve Farber. Instagram, Steve Farber. And then, of course, SteveFarber.com is kind of where I live online. So you'll see digital learning platform on there. You'll see videos and audios and all kinds of resources as a way to dive deeper into this world that I, that I call extreme leadership. So I'm really easy to find and shoot me an email, send me a note and we'll start our own discussion. That's fantastic. Thank you, Steve. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been, it's been a blast. My guest today has been Steve Farber, who is the author of Love is Just Damn Good Business and the founder, chairman, and CEO of Extreme Leadership Institute. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider rating it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you want to create love in your own organization or you think that this podcast would make a difference for somebody in your network, please be sure to share it with them. Once again, Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening and until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.